Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, hey, Southside, great to be with you today. Thank you so much for making this place your destination for today. Welcome home. So glad that you would join us, letting us not only give you God's good news, but our own lives as well, because you have become so special to us. And uh, we pray that, that this would be a place where you could, de- you could build, you could develop a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that that would translate into you helping us make it real easy to go to heaven from right here where we are today. So come on, join with me. Come go with me. Let's go somewhere together and let's see God do some incredible things in this region for his glory, all right? Today, we launch a new series called Rhythm. And now a lot of what I just said, building real followers of Jesus, it comes from establishing some healthy rhythms in your life not balance, because I think balance is a myth. I mean, let's just bust that, blow that up right now. I think it's impossible to find balance, but I do believe you can find rhythm. And rhythm can be defined as this. It is a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement. Gloria Stefan told us that the rhythm can get you. The rhythm's going to get you. Well, I want a rhythm that leads to a healthy life, not a rhythm that leads to an unproductive or unhealthy life. I don't want it to lead to defeat. I want it to lead to growth, victory, and freedom in my life. And I believe that that's what most people desire. And so how do we find that? How do we get to that place? And so we're going to talk about what that looks like primarily with our faith. When it comes to knowing God, finding community, growing deeper, and making disciples, what does all that mean? What does that look like? And, you know, when we talk about rhythm, how do we do that? How do we find it? Finding or trying to find a mythical balance can be exhausting. But establishing rhythms sets a pattern for success for the rest of your life. It's like finding a balance or finding not a balance, but finding a rhythm between work and home, finding uh, a, a way to eat well, exercise, sleep enough. Come on, auditing your thought life to where you have more gratitude than attitude. And then finally, taking your spiritual life, your faith, and finding a rhythm to that that in, that impacts everything else. Because whatever it is that you put at the center of your life, it's much like the sun. It's going to affect and impact everything else in your world. And so a value that I want to live by and I want our church to live by is that Jesus is the center of everything that we do. I don't want Jeff to be the center of everything that I do because Jeff gets it wrong more times and not. Jeff tends to mess things up. But Jesus, who is my Savior, my Lord, my God, my King, He's the one that gave Himself for me. He's the one that loves me unconditionally and with amazing grace. I want that. I want want Him to be in the center control seat of my life. And so that begins with knowing Him. That begins with, with receiving the Spirit of God in my life and obeying His Word. And so we're going to talk about that today. Why? Because finding the right rhythm is essential to living your best life. 
I want you to live the best life you possibly can. Well, I want you to find the right rhythm that helps you achieve that. And I believe today that finding the right rhythm begins with knowing God. And we're going to talk about that in three ways. If you want to know God today, what does that mean when it comes to his word? It means knowing his son, receiving his spirit, and obeying his word. It's very simple. It is very simple. You can, you, you can just, that just kind of flows. What does it mean to know God? It means to know his son. It means to receive his spirit. And finally, to obey his word. Acts chapter 2 today, we're going to talk about what church is supposed to look like over the course of this month and how it looked in the very beginning and the the very initial stages of what we call the church today. The launching of the age of the church is what we are living in today, and we see the beginning of it right here in Acts chapter 2. So finding the right rhythm begins with knowing God, and that begins when you know His Son. And, and that's exactly what had taken place here in the beginning of the book of Acts. And we see this in Acts chapter 2, verse number 1, when the day of Pentecost had arrived. Pentecost is a special day, one of three special occasions in the lives of Jewish people and now in the church. To the Jews, it was commonly known as the Feast of Weeks. And it was established 15 centuries before the birth of Christ. And it became one of three great pilgrimages to Jerusalem with the Jewish people. Some people have said that there could have been an additional 200,000 people in Jerusalem at this time. Why? Because of Pentecost, because of the Feast of Weeks. And so they celebrated it on the 15th day after Passover, which you can learn about in the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, the the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost was viewed as the anniversary of the law given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai. But in the New Testament, the New Testament, this day becomes the anniversary of the birthday of what we call the church today. And so when the day of Pentecost had arrived, this is some 10 days after Jesus had ascended into heaven, had ascended into heaven before the very eyes of his followers. About this time, the followers of Jesus numbered about 120 people, and they were all together in one place in Jerusalem. That was the church in one place. In all of the world, it was right there, 120 people And this is some 10 days after Jesus left, and this is what he told them to do. After I leave, I want you to wait. I want you to pray, stay together, and wait. Pray, stay together, and wait. Pray, stay together, and wait. What am I waiting on? You're waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. He says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, but when the Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they were, Judea, outside of that region, Samaria, a place that none of them really wanted to go, and even into the ends of the earth. It'll extend, it'll, it'll extend geography and generations. But right here, they're all located in one place. They're together, they're praying, and they're waiting. And suddenly, a sound 
like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven. And it filled the entire house where they were staying. All of a sudden, they're waiting, they're praying, they don't know what or when it's going to happen. They don't really even have an idea what it's going to be like. All of a sudden, a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where these people were staying. And then tongues, like flames of fire that were divided, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. Were they just babbling nonsense? No. They were speaking languages that were not initially theirs. And so it goes on to say in Acts chapter 2, there's, there's a group of people that are gathered there. Some, and whether there were 200,000 people right there or not, there weren't, but there was a larger number of people that heard the commotion, that saw kind of what was happening, and they began to flock there. And some, some 10 to 15 different nationalities are mentioned right here. And, and it says that all of them understood what these people were saying in their own language. It was baffling. I mean, they were, everybody was just, it was a crowd. They were coming around to see this moment. Now, you have to understand, before this moment, these 120 people were confused, they were afraid, and they were trembling, hiding out in fear, not knowing what would happen. They had just witnessed, to me, one of the greatest things they'd ever seen. I mean, following Jesus for three and a half years had to be astounding and mesmerizing, incredible every day. You would go to bed, these disciples would have to say, it can't get any better than this. And the next day it would get even better and even better and even better and even better. And then he dies. Imagine that. Imagine seeing that, the devastation, the fear that comes over them. And then three days later, he's back up again. And he spends about 40 days with them. He encounters some fire. 500 people in and around that region, and then he commissions them and he vanishes before their eyes. I mean, talk about a roller coaster of emotions. Confused and afraid is kind of where they are, uh, just, just not knowing what to do next. And all of a sudden, in this place, Jesus said, stay together, pray and wait, and boom, the Spirit of God comes upon them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And now they are speaking. They are speaking and people are hearing what they're saying in their own language. And all of these people were astounded. They were perplexed and they were saying to one another, how can this happen? What is this about? And there were some people that were mocking and laughing, as there always will be. Some sneered and they said, they're full of new wine. They're drunk. They've had too much to drink. They have lost it. They gone. But Peter, Peter stood up with the 11 and he raised his voice and he proclaimed to them, men of Judah, men of Judah 
and all of you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain to you and pay attention to my words. I mean, think about Peter. Peter's the guy that denied Jesus three times. Peter is the guy that, that seemed to always, seemed to, he would make a good statement, then a bad statement. He would find himself just in, in an up and down struggle while Jesus was here. And now Peter, filled with confidence, filled with boldness, filled with the right things to say, he said, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. In other words, Peter has a captive audience. I love this part. This is kind of humorous to me. I put it in here for you. I just, I said, I didn't want to leave this verse out. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. What does that mean? It means either they don't drink at all, or it means, eh, it's a little too early. We'll get wasted later. No, I'm just kidding. You know, I think what he's saying here is, yes, these people aren't drunk. They're deacons. They'll get drunk later on in the day. Anyway, ha, ha, ha. I thought that was funny. But then, on the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. He goes back to the Old Testament, and he brings out a passage that they would recognize and know. This is some 50 days after the death of Christ. The people there, (laughs) trust me, they had heard about Jesus. Many of them had seen Jesus, had been in the teachings of Jesus, had listened in those moments. Peter said, Joel said this, and it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see uh, vision, and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my male and female slaves in those days, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the great and remarkable day of the Lord comes. And he says this, and then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul wrote that again in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, Jesus, Jesus is the link for the Jewish people that connected the Old Testament to the New Testament. And in What we see here in this story, in the story of Jesus, today when we communicate the cross of Jesus Christ, we talk about God coming to this earth and giving his life for you, okay? What they're going to talk about here is that the very people that are witnessing this moment are the ones who killed the author of life. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Peter begins to talk and he begins to speak about King David and and some of the words that he spoke and the things that he said. And he's he's bringing this to this moment. He's he's talking about King David as such high honor and esteem that they held him in. Where is he? He's in the grave. He's dead. But Jesus... Jesus, the one they saw, the one they, they, they listened to, the one they, they watched die on a cross, he's not there anymore. He says, God has resurrected this Jesus. 
And all of these people that are, that are speaking today and you're understanding in your own language, all of us are witnesses of this. And he says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, it's key, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. See, Messiah is a term that they understood well because it was a term that they had been told all of their life of one who was coming that would rescue them from bondage and, 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 and government overreach and tyranny, and they would establish them as, the, as, the, the, as, as, as God's nation of people. And, and they would rule and reign forever, okay? I mean, that's, that's kind of the Messiah is what they were looking for. They were looking for a king that would give them what they wanted on earth. But God came with a much greater plan, not just for the Jewish people, but for all mankind, not to give us necessarily what we wanted, but to give us what we needed and to give us what we longed for and what we desired. It's a rhythm. It's a rhythm that, that God wants to instill in place in your life that truly helps you live your best life. But it's a rhythm that begins with knowing Him. And that begins with knowing His Son. And we may see Him as a Savior on a cross that gave His life for you. But Peter is saying, this was the Savior of the world and you killed Him. He said, know with all certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And so Jesus longs to be the center of everything that you do. The statement that he gives here, that, G, that, that with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, that statement was, was a monumental, powerful moment in that place. You're looking at 120 people who didn't have a lot of courage, didn't have a lot of strength of faith. They didn't have a lot of knowing what to do. They had absolutely zero resources. They didn't have lights. They didn't have camera. They didn't have TV. They didn't have screen. They didn't even have a book. They didn't have an iPad. They didn't have a cool little clicker where you can move things back and forth. They didn't have these things. All they had was an encounter with the Savior of the world, and they didn't know what to do with it until this moment. All of a sudden, knowing God was powerfully connected to knowing His Son. You want to live your best life? You want to have a rhythm that flows? It's a strong, fluid pattern, regular, repeated pattern of movement that works for you and your family. It begins with knowing God, and knowing God always begins with knowing His Son. Jesus today longs to be the center of everything that you do. Knowing God and knowing His Son, lead, knowing after that it leads to receiving His Spirit. That's what they witnessed. They witnessed this moment. Now, Pentecost was, was a one-time deal. It just It came like that in one moment. One powerful moment like that, and boom, the church is ignited with great passion and great fire and great courage and commitment. Because they didn't just, they, 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 they knew Jesus, but now they received his spirit. Jesus said, 
the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the world. It says when these people that had gathered around when they had heard this, they came under deep conviction. And they said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, brothers, what must we do? The first question we see is, what is going on? (laughs) And now, now the Spirit of God is moving over this room and these people. Now they want to know what to do. Why? Because of conviction. The deep conviction You know why they came under deep conviction? When that happened, this is what they realized in this moment, that they had, one, been wrong about Jesus, and two, were responsible for killing the creator of the world. What do we do? This is about receiving the Spirit of God in their life. You see, conviction without action is useless. Conviction without action is useless. We can open up God's Word. We can share His truth. We can, we can, we can preach, scream, yell. We can do all these things. And you do absolutely nothing with it. You can even feel it. You can even sit here and go, oh, what is that feeling? It's called conviction. But conviction without action, it's absolutely useless. And if you want to find the rhythm to living your best life, I believe that right rhythm is found in knowing God. And knowing God means knowing His Son. Knowing God means receiving His Spirit, which I believe happens at the moment of salvation. And then it leads to obeying His Word. Know His Son, receive His Spirit, and obey His Word. This is what Peter says. They want to know, what, we, what do we do? What do we do? We are at this place. We realize we were wrong about Jesus and we were responsible for His death. What do we do? Peter said, repent, repent. It means to stop going this way, the wrong way, and turn and go this way. That's what the word repent means. It means you're going in the wrong direction. Turn around, repent. Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What we see in this moment, we see this. We see that repentance and forgiveness became the mark of salvation. Baptism became the uniform of salvation. In this one place, repentance and forgiveness, it became the mark of salvation. Baptism was the uniform that they wore. It symbolized and identified them together with a group of people, and it generally cost them something. Today, I don't know if maybe we've missed it here in the United States of America where our faith doesn't really cost us anything. 
But yet in the Middle East, you've got churches blowing and going and house churches forming and people coming to know Christ with the threat of losing their lives, their jobs, their families, their, their everything. And they're longing for people to pour leadership and wisdom into them. They don't need courage. They just need some tools in their belt to keep doing what they're doing. Peter said, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of his spirit. He said, for the promises for you and for your children. And for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. He's just living out Acts 1-8, going to the ends of the earth. Going from just not geography, but also generational. Today where we experience that and we see that, this promise is not just for you. This promise is for your children. This promise is for anyone that's far off. And with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. I love this quote. It's by pastor today is an older he's an old pastor he's gone to heaven but he says that we believers of Jesus Christ the church we're not going to move this world by criticism of it nor are we going to move this world by conformity to it we'll move this world by the combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. I read this in my devotion today. It says, Since by grace God forgives, it makes no sense to hide or shift the blame when you are faced with your sin. Why would you and I work so hard to hide or deny what has been fully completely and eternally forgiven? Why would we work so hard to pretend that we are something less than sinners when the message of the gospel is that Jesus loves and accepts sinners? Why would we hide in guilt when Jesus has fully borne our guilt? Why would we allow ourselves to be motivated by shame when Jesus willingly carried our shame? Why would we construct a false facade of righteousness when Jesus has given his righteousness over to our accounts? Why would we fear God's wrath when Jesus took the full brunt of God's anger for us on the cross? Why would we care what others will think of us if we're honest about our sin when the one who holds our destiny in his hands has accepted us as if we had never? Never sinned. Why? Why would we do that? Why would we deny such a great and powerful salvation? Today, life is best lived not with the right balance, but with the right rhythm. And that rhythm today. That rhythm begins with knowing God. Knowing God means knowing His Son. It means receiving His Spirit and obeying His Word. You want the best life you can live? You put it in the right balance, the right 
order, the right rhythm. And let Jesus Christ be your Savior. Say yes to the Spirit of God and His presence in your life. Let His Word invade your soul and let it change your life. So, whatever you're feeling today, whatever's going on in your world, your heart, your soul, your mind, I believe the very first step for for all of us when it comes to knowing God is knowing His Son. If you don't know Christ today, pray with me. Say yes to Him. Invite Him into your life. Because I believe at that moment, He gives you His Spirit to indwell you, to live inside of you, to help you, to walk with you. Yes, to convict you, but also to comfort you. Then, to take His Word and let it take you to a place of health, growth, and rhythm so that you can live the life He intended for you. So if you don't know Christ today, say these words with me. Say, Father God, I believe in you. I believe you sent your son. His name is Jesus to give his life for me. Jesus, I'm asking you today to forgive me for my sin by your grace. Restore me to you. Say this to him. Jesus, be the Savior and Lord of my life. I am ready to follow you and I say yes to you. Listen, if you prayed those words with me, if you said that with me, I want you to take that step and say, let us know at the end of this video, let us know, follow the prompts, the leadings. Let us know that you said yes. Come and make Southside a real and active part of your life. Join us, Commerce, Redstone. Help us help you find the right rhythm in your life so that you can live the life that God intended you to live. I hope you'll join me next week. Hope you have an incredible week. God bless you. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.